Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, DGens and DGenettes, to another episode of the Alfalfa Podcast. We are four radically moderate entrepreneurs and investors swimming in the messy gray ocean, serving up alpha in money, politics, and life. We are Nick Urbani, Eric Johansson, Stephen Cesaro, and I am Armand Asadi. All links at alfalfapod.com. Make sure to hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching on YouTube and follow us on the socials. And most importantly, hop in our Discord to join the community for the after party and more alfalfa. So just tell me what's been going on. Well, like the big the big picture is that uh, Bankless is getting a lot of shit thrown at them for giving Tim Ferriss this extra voice as if he needed it. You know, like this this extra voice on this NFT platform he's launching. Yeah. Like how I feel personally is like, I don't care what he launches. Like you can either buy it or not, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. Let him launch. I think one of our discord users, Marty, but, but people are upset that he's getting the crypto platform. Is that correct? I think that's, I think that's probably the crux of the, the anger. Yes. But Marty, and that he's not a crypto native necessarily or totally or even guy. Totally. I mean, that was the first question in the interview. Tim, right. are you a crypto but guy? But it's not like he was, I mean, he's, He's held coins for a lot longer than some of us have. He didn't want to say I'm a crypto guy, I think, to protect the fact that like I'm not as smart as he's people a developer. who are crypto he's not people. Like a yes. Protocol creator. But, but he's in the space. For he's sure. He's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like where I landed on this project looks stupid. But like you can you can take the other side of that as well. That's the beauty of NFTs. Like you can buy it if you want. Right. If you like yes. it, go buy it. That's cool. It's like an open protocol. Like th- that's the platform. Yeah. But if you just reflect back on like now we're specifically looking at like who has bankless given a platform to, first of all, a couple of fucktards called alfalfa, but beyond, <laughs> beyond that, a quad of fucktards called alfalfa. But beyond that, I think what people really care about is like the integrity behind the, the opportunity to be on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you're there to shill, People don't like that. And I think that ultimately what people felt like based on the comments that I read is that it was one giant long advertisement for his NFT launch with a tease for the launch itself meant to create hype and demand from a new audience, which is bankless beyond the existing audience that he already had, as you said. And that's where I think people are upset. Yeah. And I think is that's, that is that fair? I think that's fair. I think that's a good description. I think it's also fair that people are like against it. Like be against it, just don't buy it. That's fine. Yeah. Like there's there's worse shills and worse like uh, participants in the space beyond Tim Ferriss. <laughs> yeah, time. and I mean like th- there's probably a quadrant of like shill factor and also how much of a money grab this is and he may have been shilling which was what a lot of people would do. That's why they want to go on Bankless Somebody to like reach shilling. The, 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 I know. <laughs> Crazy. But like he, and he made the point, you know, whenever he's done something, whether it's writing books or doing a podcast for 500 episodes or writing a bunch of blog posts, like usually his creative endeavors are usually have some longevity behind them. So it's not like he's going to be in and out of this thing is from what I got. I mean, personally, I shut it off about halfway through the second half, the yeah. NFT conversation, because I was interested in what Tim just generally thought about crypto and what is conversation about that yeah and, i wanted to know what what is your take on on crypto at large like are you a buyer of this uh, he's had industry Vita- yeah he's had vitalik on on to tim naval vitalik he's not so. bankless right uh, and he said i lost a ton of crypto on ftx okay yeah i think uh just to play devil's advocate here mm-hmm. uh 
Discord user Marty McFly was posting a different interview from a different podcast. Oh, okay. Ryan Carson's podcast where Tim, I think he explicit. I didn't listen to it, but I think he explicitly said, um, if this is no longer fun for me, I'll just quit. He also mentioned that in the Bankless oh. one. He did say that. Okay, which, which I think is fair game. Like, it's your project. Right. So does that upset people because just reading a little between the lines because it feels like it could be ultimately a rug? Perhaps, but I mean, that's a risk for any NFT project, right? It is, but I think when someone comes out and explicitly says that, that's pretty... Well, Tim's got a lot going on. But then you just put that in your own matrix of like, should I even, should I play with this thing or not? I think that's the whole reason he doesn't want to promise anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's his version of like under-promising. He compared it to buying Disneyland tickets for your family, like in, in terms of like entertainment value. If I can provide you entertainment value, which I thought was a smart framing... But this is the classic Tim Ferriss. Look, I think most of us have been following Tim Ferriss for over a decade. I've yeah. been following him since Four Hour Work Week. Everything the guy has ever done, he calls an experiment, and yeah. I like that because what he's doing is he's creating and he's creating a a no um, a, a no uh, what's the word I'm looking for commitment environment on both sides. He's saying, and he also utilizes what I always call the takeaway sale: take it or leave it. You don't have to buy this. And yeah. he makes that very explicit too. When he started his podcast, which now has almost 1 billion downloads, he wow. said, this is an experiment. I'll do a few episodes, see what you guys think. Based on your response and based on how much I'm enjoying it, I'll keep going. We look back now, he's done like whatever it is, 700, 800 episodes Damn. and 900 million downloads. He is, as Nick said, a guy that follows through. Right. But I think he likes to have the optionality of like, I'm going to quit this if it sucks. And I think that's fair. I think it's fair. What I, I have to say that I was critical though, about the interview, about the way Tim showed up, not about the NFT though, not about the project. You're looking just, at the man. Yeah. I was just a little bit critical about, I, I am critical from the sense of like, if somebody was your friend and you felt like you knew them and they, and you knew their like best version. And then you introduce them to somebody and they kind of showed this like side of themselves that you're like, that's not you, bro. That's how I felt. But why did you feel like that? Cause I, I it's weird. Cause I heard that from you and I was primed to think something when I listened to it, which normally means I like accidentally think the same yeah. even more so. Or maybe you, and, maybe you accidentally went the opposite. Or maybe he's just a contrarian. I, no, 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 no. My prime, I'm not a primed contrarian. Nah. <laughs> no, no, I think, in this, I, I think in this instance, like I actually kind of believe that he would do that. So I think I believed what you said. And so I was inclined to believe myself in a particular way when yeah. I listened to it. But I, I don't know. He didn't come across that way. I guess I've just me. consumed a lot of his content and based on the like, baseline Is there, is there I something have. specific you thought he did that made you go? Yeah, like, eh. I felt that he came off unsure and insecure and he felt the need to sell himself and the project more than necessary. It, really? Was, I felt like he was like underselling the project. He was but, underselling it, but then overselling it at times. It was well, they, this they weird were like, They were like, you realize you're overselling it by how much you're underselling it. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, but then was, he had moments where he was overselling himself, and it's not necessary. I feel like the reason he was overselling himself is because he felt he was speaking to a new audience that didn't know him. And he has his audience of millions of fans that have known him for a, over a decade and who follow his podcast. But people in the crypto space don't really know him. So I think he felt the need to like over qualify himself i don't know what did okay, you think yeah i mean i thought the same thing like he he was uh very clear on how many 
blog posts he had published and, and, and all that. Right. But um, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it did some good. I think it was maybe that not. big of a deal. I, I, I also yeah, feel like this, isn't, this probably bad. isn't even the most interesting part of it to me. Like, I, I, I kind of want to focus on, like, the, the Marty discussion in the... Yeah, yeah. In, in the lounge, because I think there's some points. We're talking about in our up. Discord. Yeah, in right. our Discord and in, in, in the lounge there. Um, like, there are a couple of things, like, he brought up. Um, if, the, if it's not fun, I will stop. I will blacklist Fudders. It's supposed to be fun for me. Um, really? Do, do you guys have a problem with, like, the if it's not fun, I'll stop? Because, like, I, I personally didn't right it's not like he's out there it, like you can make this argument that oh it's he's implicitly trying to make money because he's tim oh. ferris and of course people will buy it blah, blah 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 but he's on the other hand pretty explicitly like this is an experiment for me much like a bunch of other experiments i'm doing like i'm just doing it to enjoy this if you if it's not cool please don't buy it and this is entertainment right and like, if you were evaluating it from investment, you'd be rubbed the wrong way. You'd be like, well, I'm investing in you, dude. Why would you ever quit? Like, how would you that, even acknowledge it? That's you'd a quit? good point. Yeah. And but, that, but if you're evaluating from entertainment, you're like, well, cool. Then if you stop, then the service is over that I paid for the entertainment and the, the ride stops. That, that's, 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 that's what how he's I, trying to communicate. But people feel they are owed something because they made a transaction. Yeah. Like, I, I think the whole NFT community is prime. Like, I think there's somewhat of a, like there's this like oh Tim is so entitled basically in this comment, but I kind of feel like the NFT space is entitled. There's a bunch of people who just think that they're like sort of entitled to make money. These things are financial instruments. They're 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 supposed to be X Y Z things because that's what I want them. They don't have to be anything. They could hmm. be pure entertainment. Like we 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 just turn them into financialized instruments like collectively as a right. community because we played like a year of this like hot potato. Ponzi game, but I don't think that's necessarily like you vote with your patronage. Like you buy it or you don't. Like I think that's fine. I actually zoomed out on that whole thing. I I looked at it from this other perspective. It was like, why does a guy like Tim get all this fucking vitriol uh, when there's like worse scammers in the industry who are like getting follows still and like getting their NFTs purchased? And then I, I I zoomed out even further to think about like our our situation. It's like a guy like Donald Trump can get away with saying anything because you expect crazy shit out of his mouth but if like you know like tim cook like ceo of apple says something off the a little bit outside the overton window everyone's like whoa right. you know right. it's like and the way we present ourselves is like these rational logical thinkers if we say anything like outside the bounds we're probably gonna get a bunch of shit for it you know like it's like tim ferris is this like serious guy so he he has to be serious. Like he can't have cock punch. Like that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, think, point. I, I, like that. I think it's like, there's so, somebody brought this up on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who it was, but they, they mentioned like, it's so weird that there's this, like there's this like socialist sort of undertone or something that runs throughout crypto or like we like people don't seem to want people to profit at doing anything. Like even devs in certain instrument instances, there's like an inversion to this. And I saw actually that somebody had a really good discussion with Vitalik himself came in and was starting to, he, he kind of like talking on the side of like, yeah, well we shouldn't be profit. And then somebody was like, easy for you to say a billion dollars in coins. And it was, it was an interesting thing, but that, that sort of runs through this as well, where it's like, it, it, it's maybe not so much that somebody isn't entitled to profit. Cause I think like the NFT community is a little more open to that. But I think they view Tim as like an outsider. Like he doesn't deserve to. That's like that's he's the not crux. That's the big part. That's the crux. I think, which I think is silly. Like that. Like to to like totally left curve this thing. Like you want to make money in crypto, get more people into crypto. Like you want Tim Ferriss to be in crypto. You want Disney to be in crypto. Like Disney is not going to share all your freaking crypto values, right? But if they onboard 
like 600 million people on the polygon because they launched like an NFT product. Like that's good. Just, just be happy with that. Everything in crypto doesn't have to be the same. Everything doesn't have to be like Bitcoin yeah. or like Ethereum. Like, and like, I, I think he's being pretty transparent unless you want to, you're getting all meta with it and being like, no, that's not what he means. The exact words he said. Yeah. But he's pushing against what has been the standard practice and understanding of the NFT community. What that's is that? the challenge. What is, what is that? Though? People have expectations. You can't just walk in and say no roadmap, no promises, and I will leave but that's if you guys bullshit, fuck me. Because you know as well as I do that 99 out of 100 of those things are you like- You can come in and say that, but you're going to be pushing against what people expect and then they're going to get upset but those people are selling lies at least tim's being honest like all the people are like roadmap roadmap i like it i like it i agree i just think he's working against a huge amount of expectations and energy i I could sum this up to like just growing pains of a community getting larger like they say when companies go from like 10 to 50 to like 500 employees like the culture changes right the the impact of one person changes on the on the culture and so as the community grows from you know, early adopters to like early majority, we're going to have these growing pains where, like you said, the people entering are not going to have the same values and there's going to be this debate. You know what this is kind of analogous to me? Like imagine it's the eighties in your like Ray Kurzweil and you just invented the synthesizer. And I don't know if Ray plays the synthesizer, right? Maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he's a pianist, but imagine like we're in this techie commuter community with Ray and like he invented the synth and we're like, Oh, that's so cool. And we're all like tech people, but none of us really know how to play music. And we're like experimenting around, playing with Ray Kurzweil's synth, and we're, there's a growing community. Maybe we're figuring out a way to monetize it. But all our music sucks because we don't know how to do anything. We don't know how to execute anything. We're not musicians. And then some like DJ rolls in. He's like, whoa, like, like Daft Punk rolls in for some reason there. It, it, it's like at that time we're just mishmashing timelines, but they're rolling. They're like, wow, I could create some sick music with this. Like, I'm z-. And they're like, get the fuck out, Daft Punk. <laughs> we're not using our technology. You're not in the, it, 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 that's what it feels like to me. It seems obvious to me that NFTs are going to make this leap to like influencers and people who can do like intellectual property and all this stuff that most of the NFT community is this like upstarts who have like no experience starting businesses, no communities. Like it, it, it seems very obvious that that's the case, yeah. but we're like fighting that in a way. It, it reminds me of something that was the other half of where I felt the presentation was off, which is that I, I personally think it would have been a much more effective promotion and episode and everything that he's doing to, to hype up this, this launch. If the focus was not on the art and the love for crypto or any of that, the thing that just keeps getting left in the background is that all the money is going to psychedelic research, a foundation that he started a hundred percent, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know if there's fine print there, there might be fine print of like what that hundred percent constitutes, but that's the plan. A hundred percent of the proceeds. Is this maps? No, to his own own foundation. He has supported maps in the past and he's been a huge deal like a philanthropist in the, in this area before. And he's a big part of what made the John Hopkins study possible and so many other things. That's the coolest part about this whole thing is like, Hey, why don't you just admit if you guys heard him talk to Kevin Rose, he had Kevin Rose on his show to interview him to talk about the NFT. And Kevin Rose was trying to allude to the audience, like, because Tim is so secretive about everything and he tries to be perfect in what he presents, he's like, dude, just admit that you reached out to me one day and you were like, it'd be really funny to do some bullshit NFT, like in the middle of the bull market. 
And Tim didn't want to admit that. He was like, yeah, he kind of tried to skirt around it. He's like, no, 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 I've been working on this so hard and so long. Because reality is once he works on something, he wants to do a great job. But when he first reached out and thought, well, just like everyone else that we all know, he was like, NFTs are blowing up. I want to do one too. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to create some stupid cock punch thing. And it evolved into something more meaningful where he said, okay, I'm going to make the money go to a foundation and I'm going to set up a foundation. I'm going to do all these. But that's the best marketing. Yeah. He should have led with that, in my opinion. Good because call. then people would, people would be like, okay, fuck you, you're a crypto guy or not. I don't care. I want to support this good cause in general because so many people have rugged on the good causes. He's somebody that you can trust. He has a track record for doing it. So you could be like, I know my dollars will go toward this cause. Mm. That's why I want to be involved, honestly. Like, yeah, that's that would have been a much reason. better pitch, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have sit a little nicer. I think that's where it's sitting wrong with, with a lot of people. <clears throat> was there anything else that was brought up, Stephen, in terms of like Those points were the or main... criticisms? two sort of talking points um it, it like like he really just watch me make shit up as i go but like the being offended that there's a oh you can't make shit up as you go is like the mindset of like i just invested in a company i just invested yeah. in a security i just invested in <laughs> that's not the mindset the mindset of nfts should be like you um buying some musicians like music like would you be mad at them? Like you bought their seat and then they're just like, I'm just making it up as I go. I don't know if I'm going to release another album. You'd be like, what the hell? No, because it's just entertainment to you. Like we don't think of buying like yeah, just, CDs or well, we don't buy CDs anymore, but you know, buying, <laughs> buy, what, if you didn't make money, what do we buy now? I got all my music for free, but you don't think of like supporting artists and you don't think it is something that you invest in that you demand a return from. Right. And that's the shift we need to make away from NFT. I think in the, Next bull run, it's gonna be a lot. Everything right now is at best, it's like art, and but but people when they collect rare art, like are doing it for financial reasons, right? But of course. but but we're not doing that when we support musicians or we support like YouTubers on Patreon. We give plenty of people money because we just want to see what they create, and we like being a part of the community. I think NFTs have a really good role to play in that. People, I think creators like you know the Mr. Beasts of the world are gonna figure out interesting things to do with nfts and and tim ferris fits into that thing you, you're not owed a return from him and if he says i want to do this and i'm not you don't view it as an investment then you can't get mad that he's doing it i'm sorry you just can't i also think the timing is just super off yeah. it's the worst possible time to do this no it's the best possible time to do this because it's like the bottom of nfts and everybody hates them there's no froth at all i think the worst time for him to do it would be to do it like in the middle of the last bull run where he could probably launch and gotten 15 ETH floor, you know, cause then he, he has this like, like worst of what, what, what do you do? Either you sell at the market price, which is probably 15 ETH and then people get wrecked and they hate you or you price it at 0.2 ETH and then everybody mercilessly bots your launch. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. He just, that wasn't part of his messaging at all. Like, it, yeah, I don't think that was part of his messaging. I was just, I was just saying, like, that I don't think the timing is. But it, like, bad. it could have been. It could have been his messaging to say, like, "Hey, look, I'm not doing this as a cash grab. I'm doing it in the bottom of the market where I'm not going to moon." Like everything. Oh, I don't think he's even thinking of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah which right. is which is and good. He doesn't need an additional audience. He has millions of people already. That mm -hmm. way, he could sell five thousand NFTs. Are you yeah. kidding? Me? We want his audience. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, we I have a billion downloads. Yeah. We want these people in crypto. Yeah. Like, please. 
Bring them in as long as they're bringing they're bringing them in in a sustainable way. They're not bringing them in like Ty Lopez style to just right. shear them like sheep. Or like, he doesn't even <laughs> shear his sheep. He just stabs so like, them. We've and- we've never seen Hoffman flinch really. Like I've only seen it two times. Once was when uh, the Frog Army was coming after him. Like yeah. the the Danny Sestas of the world was like coming after him. That age well. And uh, you know he <laughs> Hoffman won that one. Now he's like getting a ton of heat for this. Like I, I he came onto our Discord asking like, do you guys actually find this offensive? Like. Hoffman's hmm. flinching a little bit. I got to see all this. I haven't caught up. That was exactly related to the Tim thing, but I think like it got caught up in that as well. Cause there is that there is like a bit of a anti-bankless kind of thing on, which is going to happen. Um, like, of course what? it happens. Once if you, you grow to like, an, yeah. if you grow huge, right? Like it, it's very easy to put out a pod where you have like 500 downloads and everybody's the same. They want the same thing. And they're like literally in it for the tech, but then you get like, 200 million people listening to your audience like they don't all care about like roll-ups but what do you do you create content that serves them and try to balance that which i assume is like a very difficult act or you just say like no thank you go somewhere else i'm just going to stay with like 500 listeners it's i don't don't know i don't know how i would handle it but i I assume it's a a difficult problem i I feel like the criticisms fell on deaf ears for me it's like you know you have people who have a podcast and they can he mentioned like we do stuff that aligns with our values and that helps grow the business. And to me, that makes that makes a whole lot of sense. Like all the other criticisms, like well, then go some go somewhere else. Like don't listen Any to it. Any form or- of criticism about stuff like that, I think, is lame. It's all it's it's very similar to like when you first discover a music artist, you love the first album. Second album comes out, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be an evolution. It's going to be different. They don't want to create the same shit forever. So you have to evolve. And if yeah. people want to evolve with you, great. They're on for the journey because they love you and they trust you. And if they don't, then they have the nostalgia of your first album and they move on. Their complaints seem so silly. What else What else do we have for our money? Okay, well, we have our, our actual <laughs> topic. I'm out of wine and I'd like to use this as an do we, opportunity. Do we, do we want to talk about like Jerome today? Can you pronounce hold this, on, hold on. Steven? Let's, let's talk about our wine. Uh, uh, Bougai? <laughs> Anyone wow. who can pronounce right. this? <laughs> we got an NFT for you. <laughs> can you, can no, you pronounce I, that? I don't speak Spanish. You, <laughs> first of all, it's French. I'm pretty Bur- sure. I'm pretty Bur- sure. Bur- no, it's definitely not that. Bourrois. Bourrois. A lot of vowels. Bourrois. We don't have any French listeners. Oh, I'm sure we now, do. Well, now we don't. I'm sure we do. So, so this is a bottle from Dry Farms Wine. Uh, check them out. They're our new partner. You get a bottle for a penny when you sign up. The actually, link is below. I actually like the French. When you sign up using Alpha Alpha uh, code, yes, you, get you a must use money. our link and and the code Alpha Alpha. I think it's just the link that'll be in the description. Um, but it's a really cool idea. We were gifted this, um, and we love it. It's amazing. And uh, they're sending us more wine, guys. So that Yay. should be good. And the more that you guys buy through our link, the more they'll send us. So please do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like more and, and wine. I, I needed yeah. wine today after this morning. Okay, oh, so now nice, we can move nice on. Segue, Stephen. Yeah, I'm king of the segues. So we're are we. <laughs> We're going to do Alpha Alpha Round and then get into our topic? Uh, wow. I mean, That's a whole U-turn. Yeah, I, I haven't done anything. I mean, I, I talked last week about, well, maybe I didn't because I died in the middle of the episode. Sorry, everybody. Uh, but I talked about how I had <laughs> yeah, that. Tech, uh, techno King. Data <laughs> BTC short on, which is a great position because like today the market ripped, but actually I made money on that because of BTC. BTC ripped um, more. Kind of ripped uh, more. And I, I was long going into the meeting as well, but I trimmed, I trimmed it at like 16, 16, eight or something because I was like, I don't know. I feel like the upside was 
not there. And I thought like he might wreck us, but I was planning on rebuying again lower. Cause I still really like the chart short term, even though I just still think we're going to like 600 ETH at some point. So I don't know. This is like the conflict in my head. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm waiting for all this to play out. I, I did put on a little short, um, with like small size at like 1293 or something. So for anyone, for anyone following along, Steven is long and short and long BTC and also short ETH and short, short ETH. Yeah, my trading account's really confused. Well, I put these positions on, but then I hedge. So like, if, yeah, if you just see me tweet sporadically, it just looks like I have no idea what the hell I'm doing because I'm long and short at the same time. Um, I swear to it's God, it's like reading a book and sense. just opening it to the page that you <laughs> yeah. feel like that day. I don't yeah. want to. I don't like having like a five-year thesis, and I'm just like, there we go, and I you know. just go through the pain. I like having the five-year yeah. thesis. But like, I like having like a three month. Inf- I even like, you're infamous for this, yeah, but like a day trade on, like it, it, you can be long-term. We were talking about it the other day when we were playing golf. We're like, I think Steven's the only one who just go like, how can you just all do that? in to like all out and then all short? Like nobody else I know plays it like that. Yeah, I can't do that. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but like, I, I would. <laughs> he's, he's that fucking meme. He's all dark. Stressed he's out. All dark. Wouldn't recommend it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I flipped from yeah, I flipped from like one and a half long with my entire net worth to like short in a span of weeks before. Uh, I would not be alive if I did that. I don't do that anymore. I implemented like a risk maximum I mean, maximum drawdown give me a heart strategy. So. Well, Jerome uh, pumped my uh, long stock bags, but he destroyed my hedgy, my hedgy portfolio. My hedgy portfolio has gone with the wind today. Uh, yeah, I, I added some puts on Monday and this morning. And it's gone. And it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But I guess it's doing its job, even though the money went away. Like Because your long bag is the big yeah, number. Yeah, it just feels weird to watch the one that I'm actually playing with every day yeah. go down, even in the, the one that I don't touch at all that someone else touches is going up. But that's the point. That's, yeah, I guess it's the point. It's, it's, not, it's not It's a psychological fun. hedge. Yeah, it's like, too. yeah, I guess. We talked about this on one of our calls, like how you can actually like trick your brain by taking like a really tiny position in like the opposite direction. And yeah, even when like, you're getting wrecked, like you're up like, $37 on this long. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I feel great right now. It's, yeah. a, it's like human psychology is a, a funny thing. Well, um, feel free to judge me, but I signed up for the fucking cock punch, uh, white list lottery. Nice. Like, oh, yeah, probably, it'll probably do well. Like, no, judge, um, no judgment. Here. I think there will be like a 4% chance of getting it. There's going to be so many. Oh yeah. So many people submitted. So we'll see for the cock. Punch I think lottery. the, the I mint, that? I think it passed. The yeah, mint is, uh, punch, there's not much of an alfalfa. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. more of a cock punch tease. Yeah. Uh, side round. I think the mint is next week, so we'll see if odds, I get it. Odds there's issues with the mint. Yeah. What I do mean, you think? Odds. Mm. About 50%? Well, I don't think there are issues anymore these days. If execute it correctly and you use the uh, the pre-launch software, whatever that's called. Pre-mint. Or, pre-mint, yeah. Because yeah. mm. that essentially creates a window for minting i mean there could be issues with the contract could be issues with it's the been minting a while itself. since i minted something boys i don't really I remember <laughs> damn what does that feel like but i don't yeah. think i don't think there will be like an issue with the uh yeah with with de- overwhelming demand or anything like that because it's just going to be an allow list right yeah it's i guess so. be a whitelist we'll see so yeah i um i've been in wait and see mode you know the volatility has been so low i was like waiting for some big move in either direction and you know we have like you mentioned on our uh, Thanksgiving episode that like we have so many things coming out soon. We have like CPI, we have JPOW talking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I feel like this, this big move, I, I'm not even ready to, to jump in yet. Like I, I want to be short 
on the, on the net basis. Cause like, uh, you know, guys like Hal press are out there just like calling that everyone is stupid. Cause he bought the bottom at 1100 or whatever. He's like, he's yes. the fucking uh, king. Hal, Hal called capitulation bottom today, seven days after he, uh, Oh yeah. So he knows the, the bottom is in for ETH love, love, uh, of all time. You, love you, Hal. <laughs> yeah, like, just this guy just, he, he like <laughs> irks me so bad that like, <laughs> I just I want to counter trade <laughs> Hal like I, it's not even about the dollars anymore. It's about Hal. It's not that I, it's not enough for me to win. Hal must also lose. I, I don't even know the guy, but like uh, he's one of the few where I read the tweet. And I go hard disagree. In my yeah, mind. yeah. Like, everyone else, I'm like, oh, he's got a good point. It's Maybe like he could the, be right. I'm like, it's like I, the smugness in his tone or something. Like I don't I don't get it either. Um, you love smug people. Oh no, I <laughs> you know the uh, the hubris gets everyone. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's that's the theme of crypto. So. I want to be net short. I'm, I'm just like sidelining still, you know, obviously I have some short that just got smacked by J-Pow, but you know, the, the, I've been sort of just sidelined and I, I feel comfortable here. Well, cool. I'm curious, what, what did you guys think of the presser today? Um, just, just for update yeah. for the audience. I mean, I, ETH ripped like 7% at one point today, peaked out around 1310, uh, S&P, NASDAQ was up like four and a half percent. I think like we, we broke 4,100 on, on S and P at one point, like huge, huge rally. Um, but I don't, do, do you guys have any strong opinions on what was said? What was said? I, I think like what was interesting is that like, you know, I think he fed enough, uh, info to the, like the pivotors to like allow that narrative to, to still live. Like people are saying like, Oh, so we're going to stop, we're going to stop increasing so much, so dramatically now. But, he, but he also, on the other hand was like, but like, we're going to continue this game of like tightening. I mean, one for of his comments time. was just straight up ridiculous. I'm trying to find it. It was like, uh, he said some, he, one thing oh. he said, okay, go ahead. I don't want to over tighten and cutting rates is not something I intend to do anytime soon. Yeah. He also said, wait, I, wait, I don't, is that contradictory? <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah. Wait. He's just trying to feed the narrative a little bit, <laughs> but, to walk but, a fine but, line. but not lie that yeah. he's going to tighten the shit out of this thing. Uh, I think uh, you, I, I saw a, a Twitter response to Hal, which I love. Thank you for just like dunking on Hal all the time in Twitter. Uh, I saw a response where you said like, Hal, it's not about rates, man. It's like, a, it's about the QT. Like right. it's about net liquidity. And like Hal's not mentioning that at all. He's only focused on the rates. Well, I mean, in that same vein, I think Ryan Selkis also called the bottom, but then he was like, outside of macro issues, we got yeah, the bottom. Yeah. I'm like, well, dude, that, that <laughs> still affects your money. Like, you can't call the bottom with like this massive exception. Um, outside so, of Luna, my buddy still got $10 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it sounded like, he, I didn't hear the Q&A, but uh, it sounded like he kind of played the roast, but it didn't seem like there was actual change in, in anything. And uh, I think next up is this... Um, the core PCE data that comes out tomorrow that doesn't have energy and food in it. And we'll see like how it, how it moves. And I think people will try to judge that, um, and see if things are actually, if, you know, we're seeing harder disinflation, accelerated disinflation. I think as of now, S and P is down 15% from all time highs. And this is like, this is like the capitulation moment. <laughs> like this, this is, this can't be like, and people, it's just like right people are delusional. I mean, like the fact that, this like people are so desperate for stuff to go up and they're so just acclimated to just dips lasting like three months. They're like, we earned this new bull market. It's gone <laughs> yeah. down for 11 months. And it's like, yo, 
zoom out on a on a map at some point. Like we've gone through 17 years right. <laughs> at certain points of like this whole this, this whole generation, like myself included, because I, I mean I barely remember the dot com bubble. I kind of remember because I was day trading with the five hundred dollars at the time, which was a billion dollars. You when eighth I was, grade savage. Yeah, I lost oh, yeah. like everything, and then I I panic sold the bottom down like eighty percent. But I had like Microsoft and like that would have been up. Like if I just held it through the whole thing, oh, so just, I learned a lot of lessons. You should have seen my time. eighth grade portfolio. I was say, my you eighth, have a similar... my eighth grade portfolio was like Enron, MCI, WorldCom, <laughs> Lucent, like just fraud, Enron, fraud, right, fraud, right. fraud. <laughs> I ran that portfolio up as an eighth grader to like twenty k. Like I was oh, on top man. of the world. I was I was like telling mom and dad, I'm like I should manage your money <laughs> as an eighth grader. And, just like, no, and it's gone. Your point you just said is so good, right? Like we just went through the most ridiculous asset bubble, like in the history of asset bubbles. We are down less than 15% from the top and it's been like 10 months. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that was it. We're going to go back up now. Well, Hal called the bottom. <laughs> hmm. Am I should, I should I trust Hal or Druckenmiller? Hal, Hal's like twenty-seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> he might be leveling us. It might just be like a really good troll, just calling capitulation bottoms I mean, eight to, days after you tweeted. Maybe a little to, to his point is like I don't know the timing of this. Though, like I, I, you know, you could still see a nasty bear market rally continue and go sideways before things, you know, see like a a, a lower low. Could be could be a while. I don't know. That's the part I'm, I'm unsure of is like timing is the fucking impossible part. I mean, sure. Anything's possible, but like, we're, I mean, we're, we're just bumped right up against that like nasty trend line right Did it? now on the, I was mean, that the 200 day on the S and P no, just that like big mega oh, trend oh, line. That's yeah. a good like, line. I, I just, even if you are bullish, like I don't think this is the spot. All right. All right. Tomorrow morning <laughs> when I wake up, I'm going to take long. the rest of the cash on that hedgy portfolio. You're just going to go balls. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go. Short dated. And like, let me yeah. be clear. Like if we get a pullback to Bitcoin and the, and I'm just saying Bitcoins cause it's the only chart I remember just cause I'm just like swing trading stuff. Like if we, if we get a pullback to like 16, five or something like I'm going to take a long there just because as a trader, the chart looks really good. You get to take that long. It's like an easy risk reward in my opinion. But like the house stuff is scary because like, I think a lot of people maybe aren't, they're, they're not trading for like two months or three months or something. Maybe buying their, and they, they think like the same thing as the last cycle. We go down and then we go all the way back up again. Oh, it's over. We just go all the way back yeah, up. V-shaped. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. We could, we could go to 2K and then just go back down to 400. Like, that's certainly possible. Yeah. And then we could have like two more years of bear. After I think that. If, you're, if you're putting significant amounts of your money in, like you have to think more about the risk management than like, you know, resuming bull market here. Yeah. I always think of this, like I say this to myself all the time. This bear market, this time right now is not the time to make money. It's the time to survive. Right. Like I'm going to make money in the next bull cycle. And right now I'm just trying to like slowly accumulate. Don't die. And over the next year, pick your points to yeah. get back in. Be opportunistic. I'm pretty sure you're going to have like over a year to buy ETH at these prices. Oh like, my God. I, like, I, I completely people, agree. I, I think people are just, they're like in COVID mode. They're like, oh, just we just V and go back up. And it's, it's just not really I think people like get that. scared. That they don't want to that lose FOMO. the opportunity. Yeah, oh, yeah. The FOMO will kick in hard. I, I can I can imagine that there's going to be several times during this entire cycle where people are going to like it's going to they're going to feel like they lost their opportunity. Well, well, we I did at eight hundred, you know, and then a lot of people again felt that that eleven hundred thousand we saw 
was like that opportunity again. But after after like Suzu and all that, like we touched down at 800s. Like after that, remember we ran up to almost like 2K? Yeah. Like, shit, dude. I, was I, I, I mean, you guys remember. I was sitting here being like, like, I'm going to go sell a 2K. Summer. And like then I, and you, I don't know if you sold a 2K, but you I, I didn't. I had the I orders reminded there and you. I canceled them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I actually I nailed that whole thing so well in theory. Um, but it's, I still made like a nice trade out of it. But like I'm I'm trying to think like, why like what was different like i'm just trying to remember my logic for being like so bullish then but like so bearish now and it like kind of sort of seems exactly the same you think we're entering but that like it's not time capitulation phase where like we have well, a anything, year of going like, sideways be bullish now because there has been more time, time. yeah but there but needs to be more to me like the summer capitulation like everybody's talking about how this ftx capitulation was worse to me the summer capitulation was worse than this way worse Way worse. Like there was a day where like I was looking at like my trading view and they're just like all the alt layer ones. They're down like 28%. It was wild. It was just absolute bloodbath and, and like sort of seemingly out of nowhere too. Like, and I think that like really adds to people's like, oh my God, what's happening? Like obviously they're a catalyst for it. But like when we crashed the other time, it was like, oh, FTX defrauded everybody and down. But that was like kind of like a slow, that was like a quick rip the bandaid off. Everything was fine. Like that, like. Do you think, like, let me just interrupt you there for a second. Do you think that the capitulation on the contagion risk is now in the rear view? Because that would be a reason for me to be, like, at least swing trade bullish. You know, like, we've, like, gone past this, Mm -hmm. this, like, centralized exchange risk thing. We've, like, sort of, like, culled the herd there. I think anyone who says they know is full of shit. I mean, so I, I thought about that and I'm like, well, why did, why did we start this downturn in, in the first place? And it was, I think because of QT, like money got more expensive, but then, you know, we're seeing like a, a big tightening of, of monetary policy and you have to, I, I keep asking myself, well, is that going to stop? Yeah. Which Anytime direction soon? is that going? And it's still going down. I think. Oh, it's, it's and down we, for a long and we're period of like, time. Obviously I think the four of us started paying more attention to that type of data to try to, get a little smarter about understanding those dynamics and they're hard to predict, but I definitely have more information about it now than I did last year this time. And I feel a little more comfortable saying, you know, and the risk return that uh, it's going to continue to go down. I'd rather, you know, assume that it's going to go down versus the other way in that, you know, we're going to have a hard pivot. It's going to be a pause. It's going to be a long, painful pause until everyone's going to get wrecked fundamentally like jobs, houses, you know, like the, the real things in the real economy are going to start to hurt and then maybe a pivot. I mean, let's just talk about it. Like we're talking, we're talking about macro stuff. We're going all fancy. Like let's just, talk, this is a, this is the USDC market cap. Like, like stable coins are being redeemed out of crypto at like crazy rates. So and that shows just, a peak. This, of is just, this is just down only in the stable coin market. So Within macro, liquidity conditions are dog shit. But then within crypto, liquidity conditions are also still kind what about, of dog What shit. about tethers? Because that, that's interesting. Because that one, they uh, are a little more fast and loose I, with I, their I creation. Pulled, I mean, I pulled this up just for the sake of brevity. But if you do like an aggregate market cap of all stable coins in crypto, like it looks similar. all together, they're all, they're all down. They're yeah. all just... It looks similar. They're all... Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're all down. So like... I. I feel like that has to happen, and it, it, this is very unscientific. But there, to me, there's just too much optimism and froth in the market still. Like everything that is trash still looks like it wants to puke, like another fifty to sixty percent just against Bitcoin. 
Never mind if Bitcoin itself pukes 50%, right? Everybody still thinks like another cycle is going to happen. Like how many people have you talked to that have said like, oh, ETH is dead? Zero. Zero. Dude, I mean, I, zero. Those conversations I think have to happen for like real bottoms to happen. Like I feel like a lot of people just haven't experienced like an actual crypto bottom. It is dark. It is Steven, like hopeless. I saw your favorite thread or uh, Jack Nywald. Oh yeah. Uh, he came out with like this uh, bear market checklist. One of, one of the checks on the checklist was um, apathy on crypto Twitter. And he had that checked like this is, yeah, this is apathy. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, I, like, we're so tuned into this right now because of FTX and et cetera. Like we're, we're so, we care. Like there's, this is not apathy. It's like the opposite of apathy. Do you, do you I talk disagree to anyone with that? Like, yeah. I yeah. think plenty of people have called it dead. I think people in the crypto industry have called it dead. I think our friends have called it dead and our gotten emotional even. Well, that it could be who, who totally done and that there's no future. Do you, Bankless. I don't think Bankless has called it dead. David's, they David's asked buying the ETH question. Like the other day. They asked the question to themselves and to their audience of like, is this it? Have we approached a, a point here where there's no coming back? I will, conc- that question I will not concede asked? that that question the, the was tears asked out on the loud. Bankless stream. No, that that I look at as like a separate thing. That I look at as like a a separate, mutually exclusive thing. But the question was asked, is there any coming back from this? That was a very direct question and conversation. That's a data point. That's fair. We are talking unscientific to Stephen's example. But if you you pull up the bubble chart, though, what you're talking about is depression. That doesn't even... That's still before this whole other phase where people just give up. I agree with your overall point. Yeah. Everyone needs to just be like, there's nothing to do here, and this is garbage, and it's worthless, and it's dead. I think just to, that is really to, to truly, your example. Like I'm like, just saying there is to your example. People are still logging in to comment on Bankless's YouTube. Like, sure, I'm talking about an apathy where yeah, they don't no, have listeners. Like, yeah, nothing's like, happening. It's just dead. So dead. I, like, I, I agree. I agree that people are starting to feel like there's nothing to do here. Like, there's scams going on. But I think what I'm waiting for is add nine more months of. Nothing, Nothing to do here. And then add on a little higher unemployment. And then add on the fact that your house is worth 30% left. Now that feeling, that's the feeling I think where you've really reached apathy. Totally and like, agree with you. I really don't even care about this now. Because one thing I was thinking about last night, I was walking the dog and I was thinking about like uh, what happens when withdrawals on ETH happen. People can pull out their staked ETH. I'm like, oh, that's bullish, right? Well, I was like, <laughs> I was like well, you know, I, I started walking through it. I'm like, well, okay, a, a lot of people are... Long-term holders there, right? They knew what they were getting to. It was for an yeah, unknown time. That the this ethos thing... of a staker is by nature a long-term holder. But then I was like, what happens if this, the withdrawals start when unemployment is 6% and people's homes mm-hmm. prices are down? They just feel... Uh, yeah, they're going to want cash. They, like they, not, they might actually want... Like not I, everybody, I want sell. Not everybody doesn't need money. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like... Um, my, my take on that is that it's bullish because it just nukes the last stupid ETH narrative, and then just have to come up with the next progressively worse anti. Yeah, I wasn't bringing it up for, for you know? that. I was just thinking like uh, that we need like the real apathy is um, you know when unemployment's higher. It's been nine months from today. There's no resolution on the FTX thing. People are just like so fed up with it. Don't no, you're right. Everybody's like, God, I'm so, I'm down so bad. I'm down eighty percent. On my portfolio, that's up seventeen hundred percent over the last like th- like everybody's still like way up except for a few people who got right like in in aggregate right yeah. everybody who's participated in asset markets like stocks real estate everything is still 
way up. It's still way up, right? So people are like, oh, this is pain. That's not pain. Like the real pain is when those people are, they're not even up anymore. And in, over years, they're, they're down and not just down a little bit where it's like, oh God, it starts to feel bad, but like down so much where people are like, I need to say, like, my mom hasn't called me and asked me to sell her stocks. Like, and to me, that's like a good indicator. Like how, how, many, how many people do you talk to who are like, should I sell stocks? I haven't had a single person I'd ask won. me if they should sell stocks. Um, I got a lot. That's a good example. I got a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're, you're, a, you're a financial advisor. So <laughs> I got a lot of people. You probably talk to more people. I mean, I feel like uh, on, on crypto Twitter, they're asking themselves the wrong question. They're like, okay, within mm-hmm. the crypto ecosystem is the worst over. And maybe within the crypto ecosystem, the worst may, may be over. Like that's their counting argument to what we're talking about now. Right. And that may be true. I just think it's the wrong question to ask. Yeah. You know, like the, the tide of liquidity going back out to sea is, is going to be a, a much stronger pool than like whatever's going on in our little microcosm our microeconomics. Um, yeah. So just put some data on this because we've been doing a lot of, I feel, I feel, and we like yeah. data. Um, ben Cohen at Into the Cryptoverse has a lot of interesting metrics. One of them is like a social risk metric where it just kind of takes into account Twitter followers, engagement, new YouTube subs on crypto channels, all this stuff. Um, like that, that risk chart is, it's still is pretty the, high. It's the red. Um, the red. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's spiked on the FTX news, I imagine. Yeah. It's still like 0.35. That's my point. It's like that, that is well above the yeah, long term th- average. This, this to me is a real indicator of like apathy. Like if there's still tons of chatter on social, if everybody's still asking about it, everybody's still paying attention to it, it just feels hard for a bottom to form and right. everybody is still. I can't see the scale there. on this chart, but it, it looks like we're like probably three times higher than the bear market of the last cycle. I mean, I think, yeah, which is went straight to zero, basically. Should uh, screenshot two. that, send it to Sly. Oh, yeah, we should get... For sure. We start doing slides for these uh, yeah. episodes. As a quick aside, uh, did you guys see that SBF was on, on uh, oh, the conference? Oh, did that happen? Yeah. Today. Wait, did he, did he remote just, in or did he show up and remote? No, he remoted okay. in. I just don't even want to know what he said. Is that uh, bad? Man, I, I will be... That's I, how... I'll give a little bit of credit to... Uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, who was the interviewer, yeah. he was hitting them pretty hard. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't bad from what I saw. Okay, all right. So give us the the TLDR. Uh, what he what he kept emphasizing was that he didn't knowingly commit fraud. Like Andrew Ross Sorkin was like, "Did you commit fraud?" Anybody could like say straight that. to his face, like, "I didn't knowingly commit fraud. I didn't knowingly <laughs> use uh, customer deposits." Uh, he <laughs> said, "Like there was a no, that's a clear line. There's a separation between Alameda and." Um, FTX and I don't participate in Alameda, which I think is already. He owns like ninety percent of it. And like in front of like a, a in front of a judge and a jury, I, I'm imagining that he would also have to talk to Caroline and and Sam Trabuco or whatever, and they would be like, uh, "Yeah, dude, you you're dude, in they, every they fucking ha- office." They, did, they didn't have a CFO and they didn't have a compliance, a real deal compliance manager. So who made the money decisions? Like, do you think, there isn't a CFO? Do you think Caroline and Sam Trubugo uh, are going to take the Dow. full fall for this? <laughs> like, no Dow, chance. They, you know, they just had uh, they voted. All right, we don't need to get into this again. But like, yeah, yeah, we don't but, need to get but, into it. But okay, so he did a good job of like at least, you know, like asking Sorkin was asking good questions, and and you know, I I'm shocked that Sam Bankman Fried was actually responding. Like, in uh, why is he not in jail? Yeah, why is he not in jail? Great question. I'm genuinely curious. Uh, what's it's unbelievable. Going on. so, somebody unbelievable. tweeted that there's a guy in jail in the Bahamas for six years for or for three years for stealing six dollars worth of hot dogs currently, <laughs> and and Sam is I mean, still walking around. Uh, Dave and Ryan did a live stream on the question 
why isn't SBF in jail right now? Oh, I right. caught like a, I caught like a good portion of it, but like how tinfoil do you want to get? I don't know. It just feels like the bar of criminality is that, that, that needs to be passed for him to at least get, um, you know, arrested or prosecuted okay. is, is very low, but like put an over under on how much jail time he's going to serve. Like, uh, let, let me say like seven years over under. Oh, I, uh, wait, wait, this what point, was, uh, I don't Elizabeth even know Holmes? if this guy's going to jail. 11? Elizabeth I'm going Holmes home went under, uh, under 11. On? Elizabeth Holmes went 11. She got sentenced to 11 years in Do you prison. think there's a poly market on this? Because yeah. <laughs> I would take over seven years. I'm pretty tinfoily on this whole thing. Like You, you don't think he's going to even serve jail time? I just think there's too much going on that we don't know. Did, uh, did you guys see this audio clip? And I, I feel bad bringing it up because I don't know if it's real or not. But basically where SBF was on audio saying... Well, no, we actually we actually donated roughly the same amount to to both parties. I just went through dark pools, dark and pools, yeah. through to because uh, Republicans are actually. Well, no, he said he's like the media would have would have had a shit like a shit show oh, with it yeah, if I, I if I don't if they knew I donated to right. Republican Party. So I just did it through super PACs and and whatever. I don't, I don't know if that it. one is uh, verified, but I don't buy any of it. But I, I I buy that he's smart enough and savvy enough to to think that way. Yeah, I, you know, I, I buy think that that's plausible. He's full of lies. Everything he says is a lie, but yeah. that that one thing I actually think he's being honest <laughs> about. Why did the media whitewash this whole thing? Because he's the biggest donor to the powers that be. Okay, well. Yeah, I don't know if that, that take is tinfoil anymore. I think that's like pretty, so, he's admitted it. Like he said, like, yeah, I had to. I don't to, know, does that make sense? Like, did he literally give money to the Times? Like, he gave money to the politicians. Like, he gave money, what, to the Independent? Was that the the publication that he... Just randomly like the vast majority of money he gave was to like politicians, right? Like actual politicians. But there does seem to be like a wing of the media that it's effective altruism to... if your goal is to not get sent to prison. <laughs> <laughs> because you might have a better impact on the rest of the world if you're out of prison. I don't know. Is it possible they just like feel like he's kind of on their team in a way? Like I kind of agree with some of his stuff. And like there is this yeah. sort of general uh vibe in these circles, I feel like of like, it's okay to do the wrong thing. You know, if the, you know, the ends can justify the means, you know, this sort of stuff that is like a mentality. I think that some of these, some of these people have, so maybe they, maybe they share that. I don't know, but like, I, I agree with Armand that something seems super weird with this amount of money involved. Um, I think the whole thing has more red flags than anything I've seen in a long time. There's nothing adds up. Every day we uncover something new about the entire scandal and none of it makes sense. Shouldn't they have enough evidence just in like the bankruptcy filings and like the motions that have been filed by the new CEO? If you want to get somebody, you get somebody. I mean, there's a poly market on him indicted end of year and it's 86% no. What what does that mean? Will he be federally indicted by end of the year? End of year. Is that a betting market? Yeah. Okay. So not end of year, but... It's just the hypocrisy is is um, very, uh, it's very deflating. Like when yeah. you see the things that people go down for that are nothing compared to this and this guy destroyed people's lives and there are probably people that lost literally their lives and yet dude walks around and God knows how long it's going to take to even Does keynote presentations. <laughs> oh, dude. See, that that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's like, what's going on here? Like, okay, m- maybe- a U.S. prosecutor's like, 
let's let him do the damn speech and let him incriminate himself. Oh my God. Andrew Ross Sorkin uh, read a question from a user who uh, has $2 million locked in FTX right now. And the guy goes like, will I get my money back? And SBF's response was, well, FTX US, uh, we could pay everyone back right now if you just, if you didn't kick me out of CEO. Oh my God. Wow. Well, what a psychopath. Um, we did not get to our scheduled topic no. today. So, were you going to punt? I was going to ask you guys about that. Well, what I guess we'll just punt it to next I mean, week. Next yeah, week, we'll punt it to next week. Next right, give week. a teaser. Kind of evergreen. Give a we, teaser. We're talking. Well, about, speaking of SBF, yeah. yeah. Speaking of centralized exchanges going down. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a huge uh, increase in volume of uh, decentralized uh, trading, but like especially decentralized uh, perps. So we wanted to we wanted to dig into that. A little yeah. bit. So next time we'll talk about how to use them, but also like the narrative of this, you know, continuing and, and even growing. They're nice little casinos for people to play with and people like little casinos. So I don't know. This is a narrative we should explore. And yeah, and I want to know which ones you guys are all using. If I'm missing any, if they like yeah. some have like better use cases than others. And is, is GMX the next Luna? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh people on Twitter are asking. I didn't I didn't ask it, but people are asking the question. Nicely written. A lot of people a lot of people a lot of people asking. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people asking. Um, about your skincare routine. <laughs> um another thing to tease is a lot of people only listen to our money episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, they are our most popular episodes. Most people listen to all, but the money episodes Pretty tend great. to be the most popular. Um, but I would say to people that normally don't listen to our life episodes, we have a really cool one this week. We interviewed Dan Martell and it's Mm. very business related. It's about buying back your time. Um, he's an incredible founder. Yeah. Awesome mentor. It was a pretty dense episode. I'd say about 45, 50 minutes. Yeah. Dan Dan made me feel incredibly useless. (laughs) I've never, Steven spoke zero words on the episode, so. I'm the episode, you were, I was you were like, in fact useless on that one. <laughs> you, you looked exactly like that. I, I spoke literally zero. I looked at your face. It's like, like I wonder if Stephen has something to ask, and you're just like look deflated that no. your life was not as optimized. Yeah, I've as never stance. seen all four of us I've just like so fervently take notes on what somebody's saying. Difference, <laughs> Stephen, just feeling like what am I going to do? I was actually just taking notes the entire I know. time. I have Me notes too. right here. Yeah, but it was, anyway, awesome. yeah, it was a very it was good episode. It. So make sure you check out the the life episode this week on buying back your time. And um, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Later. Peace.